you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's a brand new edition of the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Yamla with my Super Bowl champion friend, Michael Robinson, ready to rock and roll. And Rob, you and I got into a little bit of an argument before we started the show. Millennial, I, I'm fringe. <laughs> I kind of want to be Gen X because I think there's a there's like a vibe about millennials that like not necessarily like the positive that I, I don't feel like uh-huh. I'm aligned with. You classify yourself also as fringe millennial. Yes, Yes, we are fringe millennials, right? I'm an early 80s baby, Mike. So at the end of the day, I remember when we didn't have social media. I remember when we got social media and I'm not totally addicted to it. So that makes me a fringe. It makes us fringe millennials. I'm glad you classified your your non-addiction to social media as I'm not totally addicted to it as in, because I, I hang with you sometimes and like you're, you're on it. So, uh, and I know people do keep, it. You are, you are. And people keep DMing me questions, which by the way, I always brings a smile to my face. And of course, keep them coming because there's another mail bag episode around the corner. I bring up this whole millennial thing because it kind of pertains to what our subject matter is for this episode. But is there like a memory, like something specific from your childhood that just doesn't exist anymore that you wish did blockbuster yeah like vhsl tapes yeah like bro like that used to be something in my household we used to go rent movies and guess what yeah. we take it back yeah yams you know what i mean and go get something else with a notion you know what i'm saying i don't think the kids these days even truly understand it was like a ritual it was a thing in my household and it just let us know that we can stay up late and eat popcorn and all of those things so it kind of i don't know it set the mood for going into the weekend yeah it was like a big thing on a friday night my mom would drive me i used to get to pick the movie but you know m rob like there was that cutoff time yes that that needed to be seen and done because we weren't paying the extra late fee like that was exactly not exactly i bring this up because (laughs) for as much as we remember and the glory days because i still classify some of that stuff as glory days 
you know, the NFL game has changed as well. In fact, when M. Rob, when you and I were listening to our Walkmans and our Dismans, running backs were reigning supreme. Yes. So today's NFL Explained, we are all about the running back position, specifically the decline. And I, I know I kind of, I, right? The decline. Doesn't it feel bad to I'm say that? I'm over here dancing and then you say <laughs> the decline. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, see, Yams, uh, I hear that narrative a lot. Right. But like when you talk to defenders, they like, man, I'd rather I'd rather guard the pass. Like if you got one of those guys, man, it's it's I don't really want to play against those guys all the time. I think it's maybe NFL offense is evolving as well. Well, there is an episode on the evolution of offenses, uh, the evolution <laughs> of wide receivers. If you've missed any of those episodes, bad job by you, but it's all good. You can make up for it. You can check out a couple of those podcasts that M. Rob and I did earlier this season. I do think it's important to go through some of the philosophies around the usage of running backs, but also in the Super Bowl era, what we've seen in terms of teams actually taking them. And I, I actually remember this switch go off in my head around fantasy drafts where you started to maybe even step away a little bit at times, you, you just realize like, oh my God, the production for some of these running backs when I was a kid, just different than what they were as I got a little bit older. So your draft strategy started to change a little bit. Check this out, Emrod. The number of running backs taken in the top 10 of the draft, it has taken a big dive here. 1970s, you had 17 taken in the top 10. The 80s, wow. when, when we were just getting born as millennials. 80s, <laughs> yeah. there were 17. The 90s, it dipped a little bit to 12. The 2000s, still the greatest age of hip-hop. I don't care what anyone says. Nine. <laughs> the 2010s, seven. And I know we're still early in the 2020s, but M-Rob, it's a donut right now. Zero running backs have been taken in the 20s. In fact, since 2018, the Giants, they took one of our guys, Saquon Barkley, the four years without a running back taken in the top 10, it's the longest stretch in league history. To me, that is just mind-boggling, M-Rob, to hear numbers like that. It is mind-boggling, and it's only mind-boggling because of how much the running back meant to the game early on, right? And I think that there's just so many different factors that come into play. See, when you run in a football yams, it's 11 on 11. Like, it's 11 guys. It takes all 11 players, even the quarterback carrying out his fake. It takes 11 people to run the football, and it's a physical thing. Right. And, you know, our game is physical. Football is physical. But as we're trying to make the game a little safer for our players and things like that, I think the evolution of the passing game, along with, you know, being safer, I think that's why you're seeing a little bit of a I don't want to use the word decline in running backs, yams, but I'm going to say a little bit of um, looking at the running backs as a little as less importance to an offense. The usage has definitely changed, and we'll get into some of those usage numbers. But I think there might be mm -hmm. some fans listening right now that go, all right, Yams, you went top 10 in terms of the running backs. What about first round, guys? Well, there's also been, and I, I don't know what other word to use other than decline and Rob, sorry, my friend, in the first <laughs> round. But good. just just to, to set the stage here, 70s, there was 44 running backs taken in the first round. The 80s, there were actually 50, slight uptick, and then it started to go downhill. 90s, 34 running backs, the 2000s, 32, the 2010s, 16, and then the 2020s, just three running backs taken in the first round. As for number one overall running backs, the last running back to go number one overall, any idea, M. Rob? Like, I feel like you might have at least somewhat of an idea, just kind of knowing your history, who that might oh, be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Kajana Carter, you yeah. already know I knew that one. 
one. I mean, that's one of those ones. I mean, you remember the Rose Bowl when he broke the first plate all the way? I mean, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Yeah. When you go to Penn State, do they just like have that on like a video loop? Like just moments like that? In my head, it does. You know what I'm saying? It's nowhere like visually up in the football building, but in my head, yes, it's on a loop. It is there. Uh, Well, M-Rob, we actually have six running backs that have been drafted first overall in the Super Bowl era. Ricky Bell in 77, Earl Campbell in 78, Billy Sims in 80, George Rogers in 81, Bo Jackson in 86, and then Carter in 95. Side note, I saw a video and it was, we at some point, M-Rob should do an episode about the best athletes to ever play football. Bo Jackson's got to be on that list. And Deion Sanders. I saw baseball clips of the two of them playing each other. I, it was somewhere on social media somewhere. I was like, dude, Bo was no joke. Bo is still probably the best athlete I think the world has ever seen. I'm with you on that one. I mean, again, I don't want to talk about his injury too much, but to me, he almost ran up out of his hip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you just look at how he was running, dude, so powerful off each single leg. I like. I remember that baseball catch where he kind of ran up on, on the those, wall, on the baseball wall. Oh my god! He's like straight man. up Spider Man. Like, yes, yes. So you know how fast you got to be running to actually do that, actually make that jump and stick to the wall as you're running. I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal, man. What a great athlete. What's after millennials? Is it Gen Z? I have no idea. Okay, so for that... I have no idea. I I think it is. So, yeah, (laughs) because X is before. So for the Gen Zers (laughs) or the young millennials, please YouTube Bo Jackson highlights. Trust me, it'll be worth like the five minutes to go down this deep path and maybe you'll never get out of the rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) I mentioned Saquon Barkley a little bit earlier here. He's one of those guys that I think has been as dynamic a running back when he's healthy that we've seen in the NFL. But you tell me, M-Rob, because we're seeing the numbers decline in terms of maybe not production, uh, actually a little bit on the production side, but in terms of going in that first round, what are those traits? Like Barkley was special enough to be taken in the first round in the top five, but is there something that you would point to for the traits that a current running back needs to have to be successful on Sundays? Well, I think again, and it goes back to the style of offenses that's being presented in the National Football League right now. We got we to gotta be honest about things. Our game uh, revolves around the quarterback position. Pass rushers get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Guys that can protect those guys get paid a lot of money. Now you're seeing an uptick in receivers. The guys catching the ball from those guys make a lot of money. And when you look at the running back position, it's really the only position where when when me as a running back, Yams, I get the football. For, a lot of times it's seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. And all 11 defenders, all 11 of them, have their eyes on you and start to attack the line of scrimmage to make the tackle. Like, when a wide receiver catches a ball 20 yards downfield or 15 yards downfield, he may have two or three guys, three or four guys, if you if you got guys tracing and, and coming back to make the tackle. But that's what makes the running back position like so unique. And I think that's why it takes such a toll on uh, guys. And when you talk about generational backs like a Saquon Barkley, who I believe is a generational back, a guy like a Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, a guy that I play with, who I believe um, those guys are generational backs. To me, you can put them in any offense. OK, they can run any scheme and they're super explosive. They're the guys that scare defensive coordinators like that. They may go 80 yards for a touchdown, like and totally outrun the defense. I remember when Reggie Bush came in with me when we first came in the National Football League in 2006. The talk around, man, if this guy gets on the corner, I mean, I, I was with San Francisco 49ers and we played him and I think he scored two or three touchdowns just being in space and outrunning everybody. So 
to me, from a generational back standpoint, it doesn't matter what offense that you're in. You can do anything. You can catch. You can protect all of those things. But just playing the position and being serviceable in the position. And I know a lot of our listeners may not agree with me or understand this, but number one, you got to be coachable. You can't just go out there and do what you want to do because you think that, you know, you're able to outrun everybody. And you, you see what I'm saying? And uh, there's one thing my running back coach told me in Seattle, uh, Sherm Smith, he used, he used to always say, I can coach you from point A to point B, but after point B, that's what the creator made you for. That's you. You see what I'm saying? So I think sometimes running back coaches get themselves in trouble by overcoaching the position. You know what I mean? So number one, as a player, you got to be coachable. You got to understand scheme and things like that. I think number two, whether generational or any type of running back, contact balance. Again, I just described scenarios where all 11 guys are coming after you when you get the football five to six yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's unlike any other position. So oftentimes, you're going to have to go through some dirt. You're going to have to go through some trash. You're going to have to be yeah. able to take hits, you know what I'm saying, and, and 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 get through this orchestration of blocking to get you to the second level so that you can be very special and do what the creator puts you on this planet to do, and that's run, make people miss, and be explosive and things like that. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say right now that having that super breakaway speed is something that you have to have at the position, but definitely being coachable, having contact balance, and obviously not turning the football over, being able to get hit and not cough the football up and obviously getting dirty three and four yards, things like that. To me, that would get you on the field. And um, depending on the level of skill you have throughout that little checklist of, of some things that I just threw out there, to me, that would determine, you know, how much you get the football, how much we use you in the offense. You brought up Marshawn Lynch and Reggie, right? So mm -hmm. to me, the, you, you classified them both as generational, but I think they did it so differently, right? I mean, you just talked about Reggie just doing it in space. Like, I think about Beast Mode just running over you. Am I? Hold up, hold up. I want to correct you. Okay. And maybe I misspoke. I wasn't saying Reggie was generational back. Okay, What thank I was you. saying is his speed, right? That's when you put him in space, like Sean Payton yep. did, totally mess defenses up. No you know doubt. what I mean? And being the fact that he's a running back, that contact balance, he can break tackles. And I think you're starting to see that with guys like Tyreek Hill and things like that. When you talk about beast mode, Yams, you're a Pac-10 guy. You come yeah, Pac-10. Yeah. People don't remember beast mode at Cal. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude was like 205 pounds. He yeah. caught bubble screens and yep. would go 90 yards. You know what I'm saying? The beast mode thing came when when he did encounter contact, it was like, dude, he was like the Tasmanian devil. You just didn't want to. Yeah. You just didn't want to tackle him. But Beastmo had real speed. I mean, we had a play against Detroit. I think it was in 2012. We had a little pitch play. Um, uh, I ended up cutting down the, the the alley defender. And I actually, as I'm rolling on the ground, you can't cut these guys in space no more. But as I'm rolling on the ground, I see him you know, basically take a stride over top of me and go 76 yards. He was 230 pounds. I mean, just... The explosion off each yeah. single leg, um, Beast Mode a little different, Yams. That's all, that might be a whole podcast on its own. Beast Mode just a little different when you talk about the running back position. Man. Well, that, I'm actually glad you class, characterized it that way because I thought you meant with Reggie that the plus one and what he was able to do in space, that was like the generational type aspect of his game, whereas like Beast Mode was like the totality of the everything that he did. So 
that's kind of where I was going with. You can look at it that way. I mentioned the guys that were drafted. I got some other numbers for you, M-Rob. Okay. The workhorse, because you always think about the guy that's just the bell cow back. It actually hit its peak in the 90s and the early 2000s. So check out some of these numbers here. M-Rob, the number of running backs averaging at least 18 carries per game. Check this out. 95, there were 12. 2015. 2005, 14. 2010, 9. 2015, 3, 2023, and then in 2022, right now, 4. So in 2004, I know that's a lot of numbers here, but stick with me. 2004. That's it. Yeah. It's crazy. Four. Four. Right now? Four. It's wow. And you'll you'll know who those dudes are because it's obviously not a long list. But uh, 2004, 16 running backs averaged 20 plus carries a game as a starter. I know there's a lot of numbers here, but just stick with me. In 2022, through 15 weeks, we only have two, just two guys, Josh Jacobs and Derek Henry. In the history of the league, a back has gone over 300 carries in a season 231 times, but only 10 of those occurred since 2015. Zeke Elliott and Henry accounted for five of those. Guy's a monster. I mean, look at Tennessee's offense. I mean, the style of offense. Yep. I mean, wouldn't you? I would run him 40 times if his body could, could handle it. You know what I mean? Well, but, to be wow. fair, I'm sure his body can handle it. I think the problem is, <laughs> M-Rob, they don't have enough explosive plays. And it, it's almost like unfair to, to Derrick yeah. Henry to ask that much of him. But uh, a part of this has been the increase in the passing game. Once again, go back and check out our episode about the evolution of offenses, specifically the wide receiver spot. Since 1970, teams are running 10% less and throwing the ball at nearly a 50 57% clip in 2022. Rushing touchdowns have also significantly decreased, which means passing touchdowns have increased. We're well over two times as likely to see a throwing touchdown than a rushing touchdown. And Rob, how much of this is situational football, running backs coming out of the backfield on maybe third down instead of like putting their head down, just kind of running with the football? Like, is it the running back that's just not necessarily that bell cow, or is it the skill sets just different for some of these dudes? I think it's just the skill sets are just different for a lot of these guys. I think, <laughs> ooh, this is this is heavy because I think it starts on the lower levels and it develops a psychology in the player, and then the guys that are coaching these players have to respond to it. Let me give you an example. Like, um, you know, I, I help some coaches in college, I help some universities with managing some of the things that they manage, right? And what'll happen is you'll have a recruit that wants to come to your school or you have a recruit that you promised a certain amount of playing time for. And, you know, you have a guy who may be one of the tops in the country and you have to get this kid playing time. So you figure out different unique situations or game plan opportunities to put this kid in the game. I was one of those kids at Penn State, meaning, um, yeah, I, I told Coach Paterno plenty of times I was going to transfer because I wanted I wanted to play at some point, and I just didn't see many athletes that I thought were better than me. And I'm just like, well, can, can we figure out a way to get me at the quarterback position? And so what happened was they started coming up with the mic package. They started coming up with certain things, and I developed a certain skill set in certain packages and things like that. And what happened was when North Turner, when I was with the San Francisco 49ers my rookie year, knowing that knowledge, it carried over and I became a third down back for the San Francisco 49ers. And it wasn't that I was better at third down than Frank Gore all the time because he 
he took a lot of the third downs and he was the, the, the bell cow type of a back. But at the end of the day, whenever he needed a break, I was the first guy to go in the third down. Maybe not some of the other guys that we had on the team that maybe didn't have that background or skill set being in third down, having the third down eyes, always looking for blitzers from the second level, understanding safeties that come from deep, being able to chip your way out, all sure. of those things. That's a that's a special skill set that, again, unless you're a certain type of back, yams, you're just not going to always be able to have all of these skills or whatever, just because you're just not going to be always required to do it. So I do think it's a little bit of something that starts on the lower levels. It develops the psychology in the kid and, and coaches are just doing what they have to do to be more explosive and sure. put points on the board and obviously save their job. So I think that's why you're seeing so many different types of guys play and run the football and generational backs are just hard to find. Now, Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch, Guys like that, uh, Saquon Barkley, with those types of skill sets, they're not, they don't grow on trees. They're not just, you know, just like those franchise types of quarterbacks. I, I tell all of our listeners and people that watch football, just watch Saquon Barkley, the fact that he might get the ball seven times in a row and still have juice, still be able to run uh, fast and, and full speed and things like that. That's part of his superpower and what makes him a generational back. It's interesting. I'm looking at some of these numbers here. And as you're describing some of the the running backs who just get it done in a big way, I, I talked to Austin Eckler before the season started. And I actually don't have the numbers in front of me. But the point is, I, I think he was leading. I think he had like the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. And it was tied with Jonathan Taylor. And I had asked him with it. And don't quote me on the exact numbers here. But yeah. he had said, hey, I don't do what Jonathan Taylor does. He goes, get me out in space. I'll figure it out. He goes, Jonathan Taylor's going to run over you. And I think it speaks to what you're describing. Some of the skill sets for some of these guys, there's different ways that they can go and produce. Are you noticing, because you do a ton with youth football, are you mm -hmm. making sure that some of your younger players or even the college guys, the high school kids that you're with that want to be running backs are more aware of pass catching ability and how paramount that's going to be as we get closer to a passing game? Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, and I mentioned his name a little bit earlier, Tyreek Hill. To me, Tyreek Hill is the personification of running back wide receiver coming together to form this nice little jolt of energy and ball of electricity. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, he's really a wing back in the old wing T offense. That's what Tyreek Hill is. And what I'm seeing on the youth level and the high school level, a lot of wide receivers are starting to see that skill set and work on their speed. They, they want to be like that Tyreek Hill. And what makes, to me, what makes him scary is the ability to break tackles. What makes running backs scary is your ability to break tackles and then go 80, right? And so... You look at the San Francisco 49ers right now, right? They have Christian McCaffrey. They just got him. And yes, um, what you'll see is him and Debo Samuel in the game at the same time. You'll see Debo Samuel in the slot, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, and you'll see them switch up, sometimes as a shift. Sometimes they just break the huddle switch with Debo Samuel in the backfield and Christian McCaffrey uh, in the slot. In Kyle Shanahan's mind and in a play caller's mind, it really doesn't matter which one of those guys get the ball, whether it's handing them the football or just throwing it to them. You just want to get a guy who can break tackles, who has great contact balance, and it's a physical fight to 
to bring down. You just want to put the ball in his hands, whether it's in space, whether it's running the football at the running back position. And yes, I think we're we're morphing into that world where running backs, uh, wide receivers, all of those things are starting to kind of be the same guy, so to speak. I still think it's going to always be that role for that guy at the dot that's going to, you know, get those dirty two or three yards because I don't think a guy like a Debo Samuel or a Tyreek Hill can line up in the eye on a consistent basis, right? And get a fourth and one, th- you know, third and four, things like that, unless it's scheme to be that. So I do think it's still going to be that for a running back. But yeah, with the way that offenses are evolving and things are just, again, being more explosive and it evolves around the quarterback, the quarterback is going to have to be able to put the ball in these, again, these wing back type of guys' positions. And again, when I say wing back, it's a running back that has speed and can line up on the outside as a wide receiver. To me, they're starting to be synonymous. You know, as I'm listening to you, it reminds me of a conversation we had about defensive players and encourage people to check a listen to that podcast episode (laughs) because it is kind of like these freakazoid guys who are super long, super athletic. I don't want to call it positionless football on the defensive side, but it almost is what you're describing for I don't know how else to characterize it better than that. It almost feels like positionless football for some of these players is where you think it goes. Yes, it's it's coming. Because again, the defense is matching up to what they're being presented with from an offensive standpoint. And, and I know it was earlier in the season, and I may have to check out some of the stats, but I do think there's going to be a resurgence of the run game. Because as the defenders are starting to adjust from a body standpoint, right, and get small, get a little smaller and leaner, why not just run ISO and leads and sure. just run right at them? It's, it's not pretty football, but it does get the job done. All right. The running back conversation will continue here and more specifically. And, and I think Gen Xers and older millennials know <laughs> what I'm talking about. You know, when Diddy, or I guess he was puffy at that point, said it's all about the Benjamins. They're not getting the Benjamins that they used to get. We'll explain why that is. That's coming up next on the NFL Explained podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. We're talking about the decline of the running backs. And Rob, you know it's that time of the show, right? You know what What's I'm that? about to do. Talk about the DMs, man. People slide oh, into my DMs. Go. Here we go. <laughs> you know what's kind of crazy about it? I think people started on our team getting annoyed that I was doing it. And then <laughs> they started to realize people have been DMing me. And I keep throwing out questions and everyone's like, oh, okay, now it's a thing. So if you have a question, (laughs) don't know who to ask, you know who that person is. You can slide it to the DMs. And and Rob's pointing, (laughs) not mine, his. Slide in the DMs, DMs. So if you have some questions, I promise at some point, we're actually our our team and our team needs so much love and they deserve a lot of love because Lord knows, and Rob, you and I couldn't do this show without them. But they're working diligently. We're compiling all the questions. We got another mailbag episode. Some of the questions were so damn good that we're making full episodes out of them. So there's still a lot to come. Send us a, a message on social media. That said, you know, it's my favorite subject. It makes me sound really superficial, but I don't even care. It's money, man. It's, 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 it is Ain't about the wrong with that no, game. Man. It, it's what makes the world go round. No okay, doubt. Let's go. No doubt. Yeah. I'm still a renter. So I'm trying to get as many of those Benjamins <laughs> as I can. You know what I'm saying? SoCal real estate is no joke, man. I digress. Man. If money talks and that yeah. is the case, because M Rob said it is, and so do I. I think it's important to take a look at some of the dollar figures that running backs are getting. If you look at the average top five players at every position, excluding, sorry, M Rob, fullbacks, kickers, punters, and long snappers. Ooh. I know. Running back is the second lowest paid position. I, that is wild to me. Centers the, are creeping who's up. Who's the lowest? Centers. Who's the lowest? Which, centers? So I actually think this is kind of messed up, right? Like centers are, yeah, your facial expression says it all there. Like I get, you know, quarterbacks getting all the money that they are. You know, we talked about wide receivers getting paid. Running backs are absolutely abused on the football field, right? The longevity of that position is so hard. But what do you make of that? And by the way, so center at 13.2 million, running back 14.2, tight end 14.9 guard 16.5 and linebacker 17 million that's your bottom five i mean okay so a guard i'm looking at the offensive line part of what you just said a guard makes almost three and a half million more on average than the center at least the centers i've come in contact with yams and the centers that i've had experience with in my life they're smarter than the quarterback yeah more, no oftentimes doubt. they're smarter than the quarterback have we seen Probably the number one offensive line in football right now, the Philadelphia Eagles. And who's there? Who who are they led by? They're led by their center and Jason Kelsey. He pulls. He does everything. That number was shocking to me, even though I should have known it. But it was shocking to me. But yeah, um, here's the deal. 
backs. I get it. They pay us. And then it seems like either our production goes down or you're a generational guy like Adrian Peterson or Marshawn Lynch who continues to get bigger contracts. I get it because Yams, I'm telling you, most running backs have been playing running back their entire life. And hear me out here, man. So my entire life, I've had 11 guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage hitting me or trying to hit me for free. For free. Okay? And I finally got an opportunity to break the bag. Okay? I finally get an opportunity to break the bag. I think it's human nature for most people to just exhale. And I think that's what you see with most backs. I think they run for the money, right? And then when they look in their bank account and they see the zeros, it's hard to continue to take that punishment over a sustained period of time. Again, unless you're a generational guy, unless you're doing it for other reasons, it's hard to do that. And I think just subconsciously, I think that's why play usually slacks off after the running back gets paid. Okay, so does it make sense then that GMs are paying them a little bit less? Because there's the business side of it, right? I guess so. It's, it, I, I guess the business side of it, I guess for me, just knowing and seeing a lot of the backs in our league, I just think we got a lot of talented guys, man. I just think we got a lot of diverse and talented guys in our league. Just that sometimes scheme doesn't always show off their talents all the, all, all the way. But you are, you are a scheme guy, though. Yeah, generally speaking. And like that sometimes can be a recipe for success. We've seen over the decades, certain running backs have a lot of success in one type of offense, go to another team, and they don't have nearly the same type of production. That's true. I think that's a big factor. We see quarterbacks too. We see quarterbacks do that too. And they still get paid the money. Even when we, I mean, Russell's still going to be in Denver next year. And again, Scheme change may not have been the best thing for him. You think? <laughs> just saying. You said that, yeah. I know. I know. That's People my be bad. thinking I be that's hating my, on you on Russell. I'm not hating on Russell. That's I just take, tell it like I see it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But uh, but I'm just saying for other positions, scheme doesn't. Oh, you know what I'm saying? The scheme that that scheme narrative isn't always used to not pay them. I don't know why it's always used with the running back position. Okay, that makes me think about quarterbacks. And by the way, we did an episode on this. Check that out. Have I ever promoted more of our other previous (laughs) shows in a show before? Um, (laughs) I'm getting a lot of like head nod nose, but they're loving it. So uh, check out some of those episodes and if I'll explain podcasts, Um, (laughs) I started thinking about the quarterback position, specifically quarterbacks who are mobile (laughs) enough. Right. So Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. certainly comes to mind. I think the Ravens are a good sort of test case here. Uh, The Ravens, we think about them as run first. Clearly, I'm looking at some of the numbers here. Top 10 rushing teams. All time in the Super Bowl era. Number one, 2019 Baltimore Ravens, who rushed for 3,296 yards. They're also number four on the list, this Ravens team. With mm. seven teams being from the 1970s and one being from the 1980s. Like, this is <laughs> wild to me. Those Ravens squads, by the way, that I just made reference to, the 2020 and the 2019 ones, how about 14 and 2 and 11 and 5? Those were their records here. The ground and pound. Yeah, the, there's still something to be said there. And I'll take it even a step further, M Rob. 
it, you might think it's one-dimensional. It's only the run game. How about this, though? That didn't even match up. The total yardage only accounted for 53% of their total offense. So we are wow. still talking about a little bit of a balanced team here. Can't talk about those Ravens without mentioning, yes, of course, Lamar and his running ability. Over 1,200 yards on that 2019 team. Over the course of 15 years, the amount of design runs for quarterbacks has increased more than one and a half times from 1,482 in 2006 to over 2,200 in 2021. Yardage gained by quarterbacks on the ground, that number has increased twofold, just about 5,300 yards to over 10,000 yards in that same exact span. So can the quarterback in your mind, M. Rob, and I know I'm looking at like a Bills helmet in the background, so you know where I'm, <laughs> I'm this one dude that I'm thinking about, yeah, uh, in Josh Allen. But can those running quarterbacks, can they make up for some of the deficiencies that you're seeing in terms of running backs who aren't producing at a super high level? Absolutely. Those quarterbacks also make up for bad coaching. But I'll say this. You know how I classify movement quarterbacks, right? You have runners with passing ability. Those are the Lamar Jacksons. Those are the Jalen Hurts. That was who Michael Robinson was. And I'm still waiting for one of those guys to win a Super Bowl. Again, runners with passing ability. Now, you have passers with movement ability. Those are the Russell Wilsons. Those are the Steve Youngs of the world. Patrick Guys Mahomes. like that. You see what I'm saying? Patrick Mahomes, guys like that. Uh, even, even Josh Allen, because I don't think Josh Allen's a runner. I think he has, he's big, strong, and he has the ability to run you over. Is that like Cam Newton? Yes. Like Cam Newton. To me, Cam Newton was a runner. And he ran like that, yeah. right? He ran powerful. He ran by lowering his shoulder and lowering that shoulder, got his AC joint or got his shoulder to a point where he's not throwing the football where you want it. I think that's why you're going to see, um, you know, I think you know, Jalen Hurts got nicked up week, a week or so ago or whatever, whatever. And they're being cautious about the Philadelphia Eagles because he's a runner. And when you have a runner at the quarterback position, it can affect yeah. the throwing. I'm good with my quarterback being a runner. I still have to be proven right. I still got to see one of those guys win, win a Super Bowl. But I'm good with my quarterback being a runner as long as he's a smart runner, as long as we can limit the designated called quarterback runs where he actually has to take a bunch of punishment. If we can call a quarterback run, I'm calling a sweep where he can kind of get out of bounds and protect him from himself. So yeah, the running quarterback is here to stay. The running offense for a quarterback is here to stay. But we got to see these guys win a Super Bowl before I think we can call it super legitimate. Yeah. And look, it might happen. It might be a Philadelphia Eagles team with Jalen Hurts this year. They're on the short list of teams that could go and do it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. 
There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike Am and Rob with you. And Rob, you told me earlier you're a big scheme guy. I started thinking about players who are versatile enough. Debo Samuel certainly comes to mind. Tyreek Hill, you mentioned jet sweeps. Sometimes we're seeing these wideouts and, and how they're used. I think the best example is Debo because there's almost been a concerted effort to have him at times in that backfield mm-hmm. and lineup as a running back. I think with Tyreek, it's more of a motion thing. Sometimes you'll even see a tight end be in those situations as well. Just from a number standpoint here, in the 2000 season, we actually saw wideouts carry the ball 215 times. And that number has actually increased to 433 in 2021. <laughs> like, I... I saw that number and I did a double take at it. The yardage for wide receivers as runners have gone from basically 1,400 to almost 2,700. That's almost two times the same amount there. So wideouts, huge weapons. We did that episode about the evolution of the wide receiver spot. I mentioned positionless football, M-Rob. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, is that what we're going to be talking about in the NFL where you're not really a running back per se? You're not necessarily a wide receiver. You're just a dude who's an athlete and you can get out into space and make things happen. You're an offensive weapon. Yeah. You're an offensive weapon. It doesn't matter. You can carry the football. You can catch it out of the backfield. You just got. I remember when I first started getting really into the National Football League my rookie year and learning defenses and learning some of these blitz packages. And I remember our offensive coordinator, I think it was North Turner at the time, he said, I know this guy's a got a 50 number, but his body type, at some point, he's going to run to the safety. Forget about their numbers. They're all X's. When he blitzes, he's four weak. Forget yeah. that he is wearing a cornerback's number. They don't matter. They're all X's. And I think what's happening is, or what's coming to the National Football League, defenses are now going to start to look at offenses and say the exact same thing. Okay, you got the five guys blocking and you got the quarterback. 
Everybody else are exits. No. It doesn't matter. And now you're starting to talk about scheme and things like that. You see what I'm saying? And defend concepts, not necessarily individual players. Yes, Yams, I think it's coming. And wait till we get to the platoon system at quarterback. Josh Allen even said that on his one-on-one sit-down with me a few weeks ago, talking about the platoon system at quarterback. I do think that is coming based off of the amount of money those guys are making. You think you're telling me Josh Allen's going to step off the field? Hell no. no. He, he said no. no he's, he's no man. I'm not doing someone that. Someone else might was, do that. <laughs> he was talking about the future. He was like, yeah, maybe the future after I'm gone, no. you know, from here, maybe they bring in two guys to kind of do what I do. <laughs> Can you imagine McDermott saying, hey, Josh, I want you to step off the field. Be like, hell no, I'm not coming off. That's just not going to no. happen. It has me thinking here about winning a Super Bowl, winning the chip. I look, maybe I'm saving the best for last year and maybe we shouldn't have stacked the, the podcast this way, but I <laughs> saw some of these numbers and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is wild. I just want to put some of this stuff in context for some of our listeners here, because I think about traditional football, right? It's it's run the ball and play defense and that's what's going to win. I don't know if you can make that case anymore that that's how okay. things are moving. We took a look at the last 10 Super Bowl champions leading rusher on those teams finished on average. 18th, 1-8, 18th in the league in yards. Some of the notables on the list, Chiefs leading rusher in 2019, Damian Williams. Dude finished 39th in yards. But see, uh, okay, okay, Yams, okay. I, I get what you're saying. Yep. I get, I get what you're saying, but isn't that kind of, that's kind of leading, right? Because I would like to see his yards per rush and his impact in the playoffs that year. Because he was awesome in the playoffs that year. Sure. But when you talk about a whole season, season. yeah, the Kansas City offense, they don't use running backs like that in that capacity. Exactly. I don't disagree with you, but it speaks to how you can still win at times or even get to the Super Bowl and not have to. We're breaking tradition is really what what I'm trying to say here. You don't need the dude who's like, you know, the guy who's going to run for 2,000 yards. I mean, it's nice, but like those days... Oh, 2000. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. huge totals. And now you get to a thousand, you're feeling really good about yourself and you're pumping up uh, your chest here. But I'll give you some other examples <laughs> here. Patriots leading rusher. And I know that this is sort of speaks to what you're describing. 2014, that Super Bowl team, Jonas Gray. What? Finished 48th. <laughs> top running back on a Super Bowl team in the last <laughs> 10 years was Marshawn Lynch, who finished sixth in yards. So, once again. And yams. Yeah. And yams. On I was on that You team, were on that squad. Yeah. And I can tell you there were three, maybe four games where he said, I don't want to play the fourth quarter. I already got 100 yards. I want Robert Turbin to get some money. That's what he was saying. I don't even want it. I don't even want to do it. Like, he was in the vein of, like, Chuck Muncie, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, 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 a, just a tough dude, right? You know what I'm saying? Cared about everybody, all those things, man. It's just, I don't know, it was a joy to be around Beast Mode and, you know, Running backs have a certain attitude to all of them, all of them yams. Now that's changing because again, you're seeing the position characteristics change, but most times they walk around slow, but they will run fast and run you over. Can you know you, what I'm saying? That's I, usually how they are. Okay. I love this because I don't think you'll get this on any <laughs> other podcast. I think position groups have different reputations of how they are. I've never thought about the reputation for a running back in general. So can you, and look, this is a complete generalization here, yeah, but yeah, j throw out the, cast the wide net for me. Yams, yams. Generally speaking, again, I've been, we talked all 
podcast is running backs. 11 guys, when I get the football at six, five or six yards behind the line of scrimmage, yeah. 11 guys are coming after me, right? So when I'm not working, when I'm not getting hit by all of these guys and I'm not getting scarred up and scratched, every shower you take after a game is like a bunch of uh, paper cuts all over your body. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you when you just chilling in everyday life, yeah, man, you walking slow. You taking your time. You observing. You just like, oh, it feels good not to have bodies around me. I mean, honestly, and I think it's a subconscious thing, but all the guys I've been around seem to kind of be that way. Uh, hanging around Shady McCoy, like he's a jitterbug as far as running the football on the field, and yeah. he talks. You know what I'm saying? Got a lot of energy there, but when he's walking around hanging out, man. Yeah, it's a little bit slow moving. Again, broad strokes we're speaking. Obviously, yeah. there's some, there's some, you know, individualistic things about it, but a broad stroke speaking, there's some general characteristics about every position group. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, look, before we wrap <laughs> things up here, I got two things for you. Uh, yeah. One, a number for you. Last three Super Bowl winners, the Rams, the Bucks, the Chiefs, have finished 25th, tied for 28th, and 23rd, respectively, in rushing yards. So that's one. That's the fact which leads me to number two here. Are we going to continue to talk about the running back spot being a, a dying breed? I'll let you put a bow on this conversation. Yes, just because I don't know if the English language has the words that we should be using. I don't want to say dying and stuff like that of a running back position, but it is changing. It's yeah. evolving. Um, football, the game of football is evolving. Yams, earlier this year, I did the World Cup final for flag football. That's a thing. You loved it. You know what it. I'm saying? It's, yeah, and it was awesome. Like, it was awesome, right? You know what I mean? Totally different skill sets got to come into play. We're talking about getting that in the Olympics. So football is evolving. And our tackle football version uh, of it and our tackle football is evolving as well. As offenses continue to evolve, you're good. Yes, you're going to see the running back position change now. To me, there's going to always be a room for a generational back. And if you got a generational back who has the long speed to go 80, he has hands, short arms. That's a characteristic of some running backs, short arms, because they can hold a football. So sure. when they fall and they put that arm out to brace themselves, there's not a lot of space for the fumble to happen. That's a little technical for you guys, but it's the truth. If you get one of those guys, you got to take them. You got to put them in the dot behind the quarterback and you got to hand them the football and say, come tackle him. That's just the way it is. I only feel bad for those guys because I know when they get into the National Football League, unless you have the right mentality up, up you know, up, up top, up in your head, because I've talked to the Adrian Petersons and the Marshawn Lynches, your play will slip. It just will. You just hope that the right generational backer, whoever that may be the next time we see him, I think Saquon Barkley is our next one. I think Tom will continue to tell that. But whoever, that, I think it'll always be space for the generational back. Okay, if you were going to tell our listeners, because what I've noticed from some of the DMs that we're getting is a lot of new fans, a lot of fans who maybe are, are just getting exposed to the NFL. If you had to give advice and said, hey, go on YouTube and watch this one running back, it's the best dude I've ever seen run, who's that guy? That's a good one, because they all got a little, little, little traits different. about them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And all a little different and, um. I look at um, Jim Brown. I think Jim Brown could have played in any era. I know when you watch the highlights of Jim Brown, you're looking like, he won't play against anybody. Oh, my goodness. But I believe he's one of those guys that, obviously, we, we lift weights in our modern medicine or whatever. If he was coming along that track, he would have been the same type of guy. I would tell young people, watch Adrian Peterson. Okay. 
watch his desire once he gets the football. I don't. I just don't know if there's been a guy wired like that. I need you to watch Beast Mode. Obviously, um, he's still a relevant guy. Earl Campbell, um, just the physicality of the way that he ran the football. I I don't necessarily recommend you trying to run the football like Earl Campbell, but what I'm saying is just the physicality and the confidence running toward the line of scrimmage. And my all-time favorite, because I, that's just the era I grew up in, Barry Sanders. Yeah. People didn't, didn't look at Barry Sanders as being this powerful guy. He was a jitterbug. He, you know, he got all these highlight runs and making people miss. But the guy's thighs are like 30-inch thighs. I mean, like if you ever stood next to Barry, which I've had the opportunity to do, he, he's not a small guy. He's short, but he's not a small guy. And he ran with power at times. You watch those backs, and I think you'll get a really, really, really good understanding of what a generational back, what an all-time running back looks like. Oh, and for eyes, from provision, look at Frank Gore. That's not a selfish plug because I blocked for him. But I think he's had the best eyes of any running back in all of football. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Emmett. Or is that an well, offensive line thing? Well, I, I think that's part of it. And I don't want to take anything from Emmett yeah. because to play as long as he played and to do what he had to do, obviously it takes a lot. But I played with Larry Allen, Yams. And Larry Allen, he drove around in a Bentley. He spit, dip, and sunflower seeds on the floor. That's in how the Bentley? He rolled around. The Bentley. It, he spit the dip and the seeds that, in. When I asked him for a ride home one time, he laughed and said, be careful. When I stepped in there, it crunched. Oh, my God. Okay? That's Larry Allen. I watched. We went up to Seattle in 2006. I watched Frank Gore run for almost 200 yards. And all we did was run one play. Power. Larry's pulling. Larry wipes out in an entire side of a defense. And this was like second to the last year of him retiring. That was Larry Allen. They had a couple other guys on that Dallas Cowboy offensive line. Nate Newton and, and some other guys. Yeah. So it's hard for me knowing that that guy was right there in his prime. He used to tell me stories about, you know, stuff, some things in the street he used to do. And he was, I mean, Larry... All time great. So to know that that those types of guys are blocking for him, it is just hard for me to give him all the love. Yeah. But I don't want to take anything away from him. He's the all time leading rusher in all of NFL history. You can't do that without being a hard worker. You can't do that without having some skill. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's why I was just kind of curious when you you didn't say his name, but it makes sense and <laughs> why you decided to go down that path. I always say this at the end of these. Maybe I don't always say it, but I, I do mean it, man. Always great to work with you, dude. Always uh, have a blast. Always appreciate you guys checking us out on this podcast. You can fire off the DMs uh, at Mike underscore Yam at Real Mike Rob. Don't send him the DM. He won't respond. <laughs> you could just follow M Rob. I promise uh, I will get back to you as and, and we'll continue to compile a lot of these questions that you have. Always appreciate you guys listening once again. The decline of the running back. Be the judge. Is it happening or is it not? Hopefully we explained it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.